going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. My fat finger's getting in the way again, but that's all right. That's uh, par with the course for I, yesterday. It was my brain not working. So eventually I get into the midweek range right at the perfect time. So I uh, hope all is well with you and yours. We are going to tackle a whole bunch of stuff today, including the Forward Summit. Three days being spent here in Calgary aimed at building better relationships between our Indigenous communities and Canadian economies and industry, particularly the oil and gas sector. We'll chat with J.P. Gladue after four o'clock about what all is going on over the next few days. And a lot of handshaking, a lot of not baby kissing, but certainly a lot of people talking. Uh, This is the first of its kind summit here in Calgary. And so there's some excitement in the air that J.P. has alluded to. And we'll chat with him a little bit uh, later on in the program. We'll also talk bullying. Uh, Tomorrow is Pink Shirt Day. A lot of people... uh, Taking heed on that. Also, uh, just for just so everybody's aware, I'll be away tomorrow. Uh, I'll be at the Dome. It is uh, the Be Brave game. So they basically basically pack 16,000 kids into the Dome. I put on my headphones because, uh, or earplugs, because, well, frankly, 16,000 kids inside of a small arena like that makes it sound like a Justin Bieber concert. And I'm going to lose my earring, hearing, so needless to say. Uh, but I will be checking in with Jody through the course of the afternoon tomorrow to talk a little bit more about the Be Brave game and everything going on at the Dome. Also coming up through the course of the show today, we are going to continue our look at some of our young athletes who are doing amazing things at the Canada Winter Games in Red Deer. Kalina Sowen will join us, a trampolinist winning gold yesterday, a hometown kid from Red Deer who manages to do some big things. She She's back on the trampoline, I believe, today as well. And she's got another couple of events. So we'll check in with her right near the end of the show as well. And that is going to pretty much do it outside of our lead topic today, which is healthcare. Uh, Some comments and some context, I think, very important in this conversation as we are in the midst of a election campaign and election campaign, pardon me, got to get my grammar right. And I feel like we need to have these discussions. And what was really fascinating to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit of audio from, can't believe it's been a decade. Can you believe that it was just over a year ago, or a year ago, a decade ago, that Stephen Duckett was named the head of the brand new Alberta Health Services Super Board. Why am I going to bring that up? The reaction to the creation of said Super Board elicited much the same response to what Jason Kenney and company have been talking about over the last few days. And there's a, an, another quote from a, UC, any, uh, a member of the UCP that is garnering a lot of attention. I want to play that clip, and then I'm going to give you a few of my thoughts. And we're going to play a little bit of tape from a decade ago. And I'm going to invite you with your calls as well here at 403-974-8255. The state of healthcare in our province, that's next here on Calgary Today. All right, so this little piece of audio has gained a whole lot of attention lately. Well, I could be delivered to your system. So that we can get 
those who worked hard for their money to get out of the system if they would like to. So that was Miranda Rosen uh, in the Canmore Banff riding saying we should take a look at the two-tiered system. And let me tell you, the reaction has been not so good. A lot of people saying, hey, here's, here's what the UCP has planned. They're looking at privatizing health care has been a, a big focal point of those who are saying no to the UCP health care plan. Here's what the UCP rolled out just a couple of days ago, courtesy uh, Tom Vernon at Global News. With the signing of a political prop, Jason Kenney says he's making it clear where the UCP stands on public health care. He won't make cuts and it will remain publicly funded. We are committed as a core principle to maintaining and defending the universal publicly insured system so that no one has to pay out of their pocket to get care. But he says the care Albertans are receiving is falling well short of expectations and that needs to change. Healthcare is by far the single largest line item for the government. This year, the department will cost more than $20 billion, just over one-third of Alberta's $57 billion budget. If elected, Kenny says his first move would be to order an efficiency review to find savings and reallocate dollars from administration to the front lines. With the uh, most expensive health system in Canada, I believe we can find some savings to do things more efficiently without affecting frontline services. The UCP plan doesn't stop there. Kenny believes more private delivery inside the public system can also drive down costs and lower wait times. We're not going to let ideology get in the way of, uh, of our focus, which is timely patient care. We know that public health care is too important to privatize and to outsource. Health Minister Sarah Hoffman says Albertans should be wary of any plan that calls for private delivery. And a spending freeze, she argues, is actually a cut in a growing province. Zero percent uh, budget would actually be devastating and it would mean billions of dollars could be lost from important health care services. Kenny maintains the status quo isn't working. We have to ask ourselves, why are we spending so much more than other provinces with uh, substandard results? And he believes Albertans are ready to look at all options to improve care. Tom Vernon, Global News. So to go back to UCP candidate Miranda Rosen's comment, she said, I quote, I think we need to look at a two-tiered system so that we can get those who have worked hard for their money to get out of the system if they would like to. Are you okay with that idea? Do you think that that's... And again, I go back to... I said this a, a week or so ago. Is I'm all for what Jason Kenney is proposing here. Let's review the situation. As I mentioned off the top, we are 10 years now into the Alberta Health Services Super Board idea. Do you remember what the reaction was to even the creation, even the thought of a healthcare super board? There were calls galore about how this was going to be the end of public health care. This was the first step towards the privatization of health care. I'll quote some people in in a little bit here. It didn't seem to materialize. Seems as though we were able to maintain. Now, that being said, do we have our issues? 100%. Do we trust our doctors and nurses? I think so. But do we need to make sure that the resources that we are putting out there, which is, oh, I don't know, the number one uh, line item in our budget, 
Do we need to make sure they're being put to the best use available? Absolutely. The question I have actually dates back to when AHS was created. The whole point of it was to get rid of the regional board uh, boards, to create better management, yada, yada, yada. That was the explanation we were given. Plus, we all knew that there were uh, tiffs between the boards and the province. They didn't sit well uh, with each other. So the question then becomes, are we further ahead now than we were prior to the super board? When you think back on some of the things that were being bandied about, like queue jumping and all that kind of thing. I I just did a quick like Google search and I the the gent's name Stephen Duckett the cookie guy yes when you Google search him holy moly you forget about a lot of things that have happened over the last 10 years. In Tom's piece he rightly points out healthcare is the single largest line item in the budget so we should be double and triple checking the numbers. Is there a better system? Maybe I don't know. I'm not that well-versed in healthcare systems and that, but we should take a look at it. And here's what I actually appreciate about the Kenny strategy more than anything else is that it's not about the line that was used to infinity and beyond in the last provincial election campaign. We need to cut the fat. It was, it was beyond ridiculous because too often opposition critics would use that line and they were never really challenged on it because it made for a good headline. And yet when they were challenged on it, which I did numerous times, I remember asking multiple times of Derek Fildebrandt this, it was sort of meant with this, uh, met with this blank stare like, I don't know where it is. It's, I know it's just there. Kind of like the boogeyman in the kid's bedroom. I've also said this time and time again that I would love for us to one day look at the org chart for the best system in the world or what we perceive as as being the best in the world. Hold it up next to the org chart for AHS right now and see what's different. If they look the same, then we're off to a flying start. There is no fat. We can get rid of that discussion. Maybe it'll kill off that idea that there's too much bureaucracy. Or maybe it'll validate the whole notion altogether. So when we break it down even further and talk about what might the real issue be, could it be the dollars and cents? Like break it down line by line. What are we paying doctors? What are we paying for each procedure that is prescribed? What are we actually paying for each line item in the healthcare budget? Because I think that is what will identify what's going wrong when it comes to the system. There are a couple of things that they're not super shiny to talk about, but they also weigh in on on the healthcare system. And it was personified weirdly as I was conjuring up this idea by an email that came in uh, just a short time ago from some doctors in Lethbridge. I'm going to get to that note in a second. But it speaks to the idea that rural medicine has changed so much under the board. We have hospitals, emergency rooms, physicians who have been moved out of the smaller centers. I was born in Clarisome. My father was born in Carmengay. Neither actually, I don't think Clarisome actually delivers babies anymore. If they do, somebody will let me know. I know Carmengay doesn't because they turned that one into uh, a now sort of ill-fated seniors living home, which was very contested at the time under... Uh, Minister Horn. Now, while you may think we're in the city, we are not affected by that. The fact of the matter is 
the people from those rural areas are now having to come here for that help. Whether it's not just the healthcare system that they are, they are accessing and, and filling up the spaces that we here in the city need, but they're also using our roads, they're using our infrastructure, they're doing all those other things that are putting, you know, so there's the centralization of healthcare is maybe a bigger issue. When you have to go get your baby delivered from, you know, you live in Brooks, for example, and you've got the uh, decision to make to go from either Calgary or Medicine Hat, that's putting more pressure on those services. Again, exemplified by this open letter from uh, the physicians of the Internal Medicine Department at Chinook Regional uh, Hospital in Lethbridge. There's been, and I'm just paraphrasing some of this. There has been some uh, much discussion recently regarding the healthcare funding and planning in Alberta. In our daily practices as physicians, we strive to counsel patients and their uh, families on lifestyle changes and effective medical treatments that will prevent cardiovascular disease. Services provided by cardiac uh, uh, laboratories are important and represent the standard of care in the developed world. AHS South Zone serves a large uh, area of about 300,000 people. Unfortunately, we don't have the access to those laboratories locally, and patients are referred to Calgary. It's 300,000 people. Not all of them need it, but again, speaks to bigger issues. We need to have this full-scale discussion. We're going to continue that discussion here in a second here on Calgary Today. So number two in the grand scheme of things is are we not kind of putting off the discussion point and a couple of people have texted about it and they jumped the queue. They're reading my mind. Don't we already have kind of a two-tiered system in our province? Those who can't afford surgeries, that kind of thing that they need now, they're going to the U.S. anyways. Is there a way to keep that money here? becomes the ultimate question because as they fly out and get their their surgeries procedures done elsewhere it's not being done here you could use the same argument for oh, i don't know oil refineries those kinds of things one other quick point the reaction to what uh, jason kenny has proposed tell me if this sounds familiar the union is worried more cuts and possibly privatization are on the way. The new Health Services Super Board has unveiled a budget that includes a $1.1 billion deficit. Bev Dick is with the United Nurses of Alberta. They're using this to, you know, create a health care crisis and let things get so bad and then try to sell the bill of goods to the public that the only way out of it is for uh, the private for profits to step in. At the board meeting in Calgary, Health Services President and CEO Stephen Duckett said efficiencies would have to be found in the system, but he maintains it will not impact patients. No, that report was not from the last couple of days. Believe it or not, that was from July 2009. So when you hear the responses from the nurses unions and the health services association and others surrounding what the UCP have planned for health care, is it scare tactics? I'll let you to decide that. All I'm saying is the messaging is basically the exact same as it's been for the last decade. Any kind of changes to the system now, clearly it's possible privatization. Is there a better mix to be had? I'm open to the possibility, and I hope that if if 
I, you know what? Regardless of what happens in the election, if the NDP win, if the UCP wins, the Alberta Party wins, whoever wins, I hope they do do they do uh, a a bit of a review, do an audit, let us know if we're getting the best bang for our buck. That's all I'm asking. Let's head to Mel. Mel's been waiting on the line for a little bit here. What do you think about healthcare in our province right now? Do you think it's better or worse than it was ten years ago? First off. Mm. Oh no! <laughs> for, for, for me, yeah, <laughs> it, it's actually worse. But no, what I just wanted to talk about, Joe, was okay. Uh, Vancouver has the Canberry Surgery Clinic. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that is a private clinic. It's not under the BC Health System. Mm-hmm. It's people who can pay. The, you know the the people that got you know, good health care plans right. that cover surgery, stuff like that, or people with money. Yep. But my idea or my opinion is, okay, if you get, say, t- uh, a private surgery center in Alberta, yep. okay, but the people that can afford to do it, get it done. Say mm-hmm. there's 10 surgeons doing 30 or three operations per day each. Right. Okay, that's 900 surgeries a month. That's taking 900 people off the waiting list for mm-hmm. everybody else in the province. And in theory, speeds everything else up. It does. And it doesn't cost the taxpayers a penny. And if you work it in properly, maybe what you do is you add in a little user fee, uh, which the people who are getting off the wait list uh, will pay. Then all of a sudden you're throwing a little bit more money even back into the system. That might work too. Taxes on the, on the rich. I don't know. I, I don't I'm think throwing. I'd go that far. I don't think I'd go that far. No, that's fair. Uh, I appreciate the call, Mel. Thanks for that. We are up against the clock. But yeah, it's a, again, keep this as a discussion point for your MLAs or your potential MLAs come the next uh, election when it actually does get called because it's worth the weight in gold to find out what the vision of healthcare is in the next, I would say, more than four years, the next decade, the next 50 years, what does our healthcare system need to look like? Scalger today on 770 CHQR. The hope is to build better relationships between First Nation economies and Canadian industries. It is called Forward Summit, and it's being held here in Calgary. Uh, joining us now from the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business, President J.P. Gladue joins us now. J.P., thanks so much for the time today. Joe, a real pleasure to be here. Talk a little bit about what's going on today and what the main focus is over the next couple of days here. Well, we're here at the inaugural Forward Summit uh, event, a three-day event where we're, we've brought in uh, over 100 speakers to address all sorts of issues from uh, partnerships to projects, to employment, to procurement. And so we've got a lot of bright uh, minds, both Indigenous and non, that have come to around the table to figure out how we're going to advance the conversation. There's been a lot of great work done to date, but I think uh, we recognize, um, and many Canadians recognize, that you know the Indigenous conversation is such an integral part uh, to the advancement of our country's interests that we've got to unlock on, on you know, these, these log jams that seem to be piling up. And, 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 and I think... A big part of it as well is that there's misperceptions about who we are as Indigenous people in our 
in, in our capacities and our, and our desires to actually be a part of resource development if it's done properly. Is that the main focus of, of the discussions, I think, is just uh, that it's not even just an economic prosperity thing, but also being able to have those uh, community ties between all different groups to be able to uh, come up with one, um, one happy, have one big happy family, I suppose. Well, you know, absolutely. But, you know, the things in families we fight and, you know, fighting is quite normal. And that's the same thing with a lot of partnerships. We don't always see it eye, but, you know, the most important thing is that we come back to the table to resolve our differences. And that's kind of where we are right now in this country. Um, but, you know, when we get through to the other end, as an example, one of the biggest, pro- well, probably the biggest project to date so far, when we look at Fort Mackay and Miccosukee Cree, and this was talked about today, uh, and their partnership with Suncor, um, you know, the $500 million plus dollar project now is contributing to the long-term health and prosperity of that community. The other thing that's very prominent in the conversations is around procurement. I would say that procurement is king. You know, we've got all these wonderful Indigenous businesses that are looking for uh, opportunities to procure, to get in the supply chains of companies that are looking to procure their services. Mark Little, the CEO of Suncor, he's my co-chair, along with 40-plus other companies that are around the table trying to figure out how we can do better to uh, engage the Indigenous business community that is outpacing, actually, that of Canadian business and uh, to strengthen their bottom lines and, ultimately, the bottom line of Canada. It's funny that way is that when you look even here in Alberta, the different uh, nations that we have here, and, and there's uh, certainly a stark contrast between the ones who are doing well and those who have struggled. And is there is there something to be said for both sides to learn from one another so that everyone can uh, kind of be on the same wavelength? No, absolutely. You know, um, Chief Lee Crowchild from Tutana uh, gave the opening address this morning uh, you know, he was right on. He, you know, he talked about the importance of understanding land, understanding culture, understanding that the relationships and the integration of those relationships um, are, they hold true. And, and it really does get down to leadership and relationships. And, and um, you know, you see a lot of these great leaders around the table that are taking chances and that are not standing for status quo. Uh, sometimes it doesn't always work, but we're kind of failing forward in a sense. Uh, and I think the, com- the communities that, uh, that you know, challenge are sometimes challenged. Sometimes it's uh, location, location, location. Um, and sometimes it's just about, um, you know, the opportunity to meet the right people, to advance your ideas together and finding those proper, appropriate fits. I think that's an interesting side note in all this. And I mean, even on a national stage, we talk a lot about what's been happening with Trans Mountain as an example. And uh, whether it's a certain number of groups who are standing in the way or, or whoever from any different walk of life, in a sense. And is there something to be learned in terms of getting everybody on the same page, even on that regard, on a national stage? You know, you're never going to get everybody on the same page on a project like TMX, and that's okay. But it's, it's what's not okay is not coming to the table to have the conversation about what is on the table fully, how Indigenous communities and businesses are going to benefit going forward and be a part of the conversation around mitigating environmental impacts and having a voice at the table as major infrastructure in this country develops. Um, that, you know, the, the past of, of just steamrolling over Indigenous communities is just not going to not gonna work. And at the end of the day, there are going to be communities that are not going to want any kind of TMX line, and that's their, their point of view as well. But, and that voice needs to come to the, conver- the table for the conversation to happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, we've got to kind of work through, make some, um, um, some informed decisions on how uh, projects are going to, to advance. I mean, with the NEB approved, well, the conditional uh, 
approval of TMX, you know, all the conditions put on it, that's exactly what needs to happen. There's got to be conditions. If projects are going to go forward, can't do it the way we used to. We've got to safe, protect, safeguard the environment, use the best technology, use the partnerships, engage Indigenous businesses and communities to make sure that uh, concerns are voiced and opportunities are identified and then just advance them uh, in a holistic manner that's uh, inclusive. Is and based it, on respect and reciprocity. Is there something to be learned as well about the idea that you can't just, and this comes from both sides in, in any kind of debate, is you can't just sit there and say we've been doing it this way for hundreds of years or for the last couple of decades yeah. or whatever the case may be, and we're not moving from this spot. You know, whether you're, you're in, we'll use pipelines as an example. We've been doing it this way. We did, it, should be, it should be good to go. And then on the other side, it's we don't want it. We're not staying. We're not going to move an inch. Well, you know, you and I both know the definitions as well as your listener of insanity. <laughs> if people are going to do the same thing, well, you're not going to expect a different result, are we? You, um, you've so heard, you've heard a, me you know. talk on this program, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so we got to change it up. we got to think differently. we got to act differently. Mm-hmm, no, absolutely. When it comes to uh, the end of these next few days here, how would you go about defining uh, success or how this would be thought of as being a, a great first venture into the opening up the discussion and keeping the discussion going? Well, you know, conversations are important. You know, the right people are are around the table right now. I think we need more kind of government uh, intervention in the sense of empowering uh, these, these projects to go forward in, in the fashion of all the principles we've just been talking about. Um, So it's, it's always the follow up, but what I've seen in talking around uh, the table with our CCAB members and uh, that there's a lot of business interaction that's happening. Uh, the strengthening of relationships are happening. Uh, and that only contributes to stronger outcomes if, if people are talking and people are coming together and recognizing, you know, from CCAB's perspective uh, and the passion that we carry on the strength of Indigenous people and businesses and recognizing that uh, oh, that needs to be garnished and harnessed uh, to advance the uh, business. Uh, I, I think those are strong outcomes. JP, I do appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. Listen, it was a real pleasure and uh, bundle up. Yeah, no kidding. JP Gladue, the president of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business, joining us on the program as he looks at Forward Summit here in Calgary being held over the next few days, uh, aiming to get that relationship and get those conversations going between the energy industry and the Indigenous groups. And I think it goes from the, the micro issues all the way up to the macro issues, right? You have... Uh, whether it's uh, you look at the Sutina and, and the developments that are planned for that region right around 37th, for example, and you see that the work is coming back and, and the hope is, is that they're going to be able to provide cash for those on the nation for decades to come. Right. And so what can you do? Well, you got to start with that conversation by the sounds of it. There's some excitement in the air because the conversations are happening and that's the key is whether or not the conversations are, uh, I would say, easy like this one, or there are some discussions that aren't going to be so easy at some point down the line. We talk about reconciliation and all that kind of thing. Yeah, we're going to have to have those conversations at some point. And the faster we get it done, it's kind of like pulling the Band-Aid, right? It's Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Growing up in the small town, there's not a lot of... Friends you can possibly make. And so when you have a few enemies or perceived enemies or the bullies target you, there's not a whole lot you can do 
to escape it. And so you end up having to fight for yourself. When I was a kid growing up in Carmen Gay, I was the target of said bullies. And I didn't have to fight too often, but I remember my dad at one point actually got bad enough to the point that I didn't want to go to school. Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember a lot in terms of like timing, in terms of how, uh, what grade I was when I kind of reached my my point. I know at some at certain points, I think it was grade four. I was actually trying to fail classes. I was the fat kid. I was the smart kid, and all the other kids didn't like that. Not all. The boys, there's a group of three or four. And I got into my fair share of scraps. But the one thing, I didn't want to go to school. And I started failing classes in hopes to getting in with those kids. Finally, my dad said something that I don't know if it'd be frowned upon now or not. But he said, if you got to punch him, punch him in the nose. And punch up because it'll make their eyes water. And I remember doing that a couple of times. I also remember getting into a scrap where the kid's shirt was so tattered that it ripped because I did the whole jersey pull thing and I grabbed at the collar and it just ripped the shirt. Luckily, my parents, after grade six, decided to, uh, they did a lot of their business in Claire's home. So instead of going Carmen Gay Champion Vulcan, we decided to go to uh, Claire's home instead. And that arguably changed my life. Because I don't think I'd be in the seat had I gone to Vulcan. Honest, I've said that many, many a time. So bullying mean, uh, the anti-bullying campaigns and that mean a whole lot in my world. And I wanted to highlight one of the many events that are going to be held tomorrow. And it's through the 12 Community Safety Initiative. And joining us now, uh, Delaney Schaefer, who is at MRU right now. Delaney, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Walk us through tomorrow's big event, what it's all about, who's all involved, and sort of the main message that you guys are hoping to get across over the course of tomorrow. Absolutely. So tomorrow is our anti-bullying event for Pink Shirt Day. I'm super excited. Have a bunch of different partners and agencies that we're working with and collaborating collaborating with on this event. Um, our slogan for the event is All Are Different, All Are One. So we're definitely trying to emphasize individuality, Um, uniqueness, kindness, and respect, and togetherness. So, um, yeah, that's what the slogan is. It's kind of what it's all about. Um, We're going to have some breakout sessions and some guest speakers. We're going to be talking about um, individuality again and just what it means to be your own person and how to manifest a bunch of positivity in your life, which is super exciting. Um, we're going to have between 100 and 120 youth attending the event tomorrow. So lots of kids coming for the event, which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly targeted for District 4 communities, so in the east of Calgary. Um, but we're welcoming ages between 12 to 22 is what it says on the poster. But we want anybody who's interested in the event to come and show up and show some support. So yeah, that's what the event's all about. So we're super excited about it. Talk a little bit about that significance of the all are different, all are one. You, you highlighted a lot about the you know being okay with being different, but that all are one, I think, probably uh, rings a bell for a lot of kids. For sure. I think that um, when we say all are different, all are one, we really want to make sure that kids know that they can be whoever they want to be and that we're all human. And at the end of the day, like, 
even though there's lots of societal standards or there's lots of pressure to be a certain way um, nowadays, especially in the 21st century with social media and all that nonsense. It can be a good thing, <laughs> but it can also be a really bad thing as well. So, um, yeah, we just want to make sure that everybody knows that anybody is welcome and that we should accept everybody for who they are and not discriminate against a certain demographic or a certain population. So that's kind of what we want our message to be all about tomorrow. How difficult is it? You mentioned that, you know, 21st century and, and whether it's social media or the online bullying has really taken a, a real big stranglehold, I think, in, in today's youth. is How do you break through that? How do you get to those kids who are really struggling with that idea of, hey, they, that's your, uh, it's almost become sort of your own persona is being who you are online as well as who you are in person. Well, I think um, it's really important to also um, let kids who are on social media know that um, people who are on social media, even though they can display as happy or they could display as whatever, they could be going through their own stuff as well. And that's why it kind of goes back to our slogan, all or different, all or one, is at the end of the day, we're all human. So um, we really want to try to emphasize, like, even though there's uh, those, there are those standards out there and there's um, a bunch of pressure from social media, especially that um, it's just better to be yourself and just stand out and be who you want to be because at the end of the day, there's nobody to please but yourself. So that's kind of also what we wanted to um, let the kids know as well with our slogan and the event. Delaney, hang on the line. I got a couple more questions for you. We're talking about an event happening tomorrow. We'll give you a little bit more in just a couple of minutes here on Calgary Today. argue pink is just a color i don't know why we have this weird notion that it associates you with a girl or blue is with a boy or that it's a color i'm more than happy to wear pink i'm more than happy to wear basically any color you give me and that's part of the rationale behind why i really i i love days like anti-bullying day like pink shirt day uh, like those mental health days, that kind of thing. Delaney, uh, it, it's Delaney Schaefer joining us, the practicum student organizer for the 12 Community Safety Initiative uh, chat tomorrow. And Delaney, I want to touch on that. Is It's one thing to talk about it one day, but how do you keep the conversation going 365 days a year? Absolutely. Um, I think that's something that's kind of, I think difficult when you have events like these because obviously at the end of the day when we have this event it's not going to end bullying after the event bullying is going to still keep happening and people are still going to struggle with a bunch of the stuff that's attached to bullying after this event but um i think with gathering everybody together tomorrow hopefully it gives everybody a sense of belonging and the kids to connect with other kids and relate to them on a personal level or any sort of interest that they have and i think um with that, hopefully that'll carry on after the event and just inspire them. And hopefully they'll take some of the tools that we're teaching them at the event to use that in sort of smaller ways and work on it on a day-to-day basis. And I think um, around just bullying and being kind and being respectful to others, it's those things can be implemented in smaller ways, not so much bigger ways. So it's just what you can do on a daily basis to make a difference in your life or other people's lives as well. So that's something that we also... Um, think is important and we're super aware that the event isn't gonna end all the negativity in the world attached to bullying but hopefully it'll inspire these kids to kind of take it step by step and use those baby steps to um get to where they want to be and help each other out and 
work together as a team in order to help them accomplish whatever they want to accomplish and hopefully try to curb all the self-doubt and everything that comes with bullying. I'm curious, one final question for you. When it comes to empathy for the bully, is there any messaging around that? And given that, you know, in a lot of cases, the bullies are actually the ones who are hiding their own, whether it's issues at home or their own insecurities or whatever the case may be. Is there that element as well that's incorporated into the discussions so that uh, kids don't just lash out at them and go, okay, we know that there's a problem here. We've got to, you know, help this kid figure it out. So it ends the, ends the cycle of bullying and it's just not the bully moving over to another victim. Right, absolutely. I think that's like a really huge step in um, understanding bullying too. It's not just kids being mean to be mean all the time. It's kids who are dealing with a bunch of self-doubt and um, whether it's self-image issues or if they're struggling, you know, with whatever at home or and they're just internalizing it, that often can lead to bullying and that's what um, leads those kids who are struggling with those things to hurt other people because they want to mask their um, struggling with things on their own and dealing with all that pressure on their own as well and kind of goes back to our slogan we're all are different all are one and even though um there are those different sort of positions in society where those uh, there are those bullies or there are people who are attacking other people for whatever reasons that they're still going through stuff as well and just to try to empathize as much as possible and help give other like even those kids resources even though it's kids who um, are being bullied that need those resources. I think that the kids who are actually bullies themselves need those as well and still need to have their voices heard instead of getting shut down and sort of titled as um, a bully or whatever people want to call it. Mm. So I think that's super important as well, absolutely. The 12 Community Safety Initiative tomorrow is uh, going to be having a bunch of kids there. Delaney Schaefer, third-year Mount Royal University practicum student, is the the driving force behind this one by the sounds of it. Delaney, thanks so much for the time and giving us a little bit of background into what's going on tomorrow. Absolutely. Thank you so much for hearing me out. It is entitled All Are Different, All Are One. And uh, the one thing that I, I do want to add on to that is, as I've learned over the years, is you don't have to tear down someone else's empire to build your own. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Taking a look up north in Red Deer as the Canada Games 2019 edition continues. Alberta still sitting in second place. 20 gold medals, 23 silver and 15 bronze. One of those gold medals coming last night on the trampoline gym, gymnastics. Kalina Sowen is from Red Deer and won the gold in front of the hometown crowd. She joins us now. Kalina, thanks so much for the time today. Thank you for having me. First off, congratulations on winning gold yesterday. Walk us through those initial moments as soon as your routine was done. And did you know right away that, hey, this is this is my moment? Or did you have to wait a little while? Walk us through those initial moments. Uh, well, as soon as I finished my routine, uh, I knew I had performed at the best of my ability for that day, and there was a little bit of tension when we waited for the scores to be uh, official and flashed up on the screen, and my name was up there uh, in the first place position, and that was just amazing. That's got to be that crazy, happened. given that you're the last to compete for the day, so it's basically you're setting the bar and nobody else going after you. Uh, walk us through those moments when they put the the... the uh, scores up on the board and and you knew that you were you were going to be sitting on the top of the podium it was a moment of relief uh 
I all this work that I have put into this competition, and I was finally. The result was shown, and it was great. Talk a little bit about doing it, not just on a national stage, but in front of your hometown crowd as well. Oh, in front of being in front of the hometown crowd and my best friends who who had signs in the crowd saying "That's my best friend" or (laughs) uh, "Go clean a go." It was just I was so great, and the energy in the building it was unreal. While that hometown crowd can give you a boost, I wonder, did you put yourself under any added pressure to compete at that level in front of them? Um, There was a little added pressure. I tried not to uh, put more pressure on me, Mm. but uh, there was always that little bit. But as soon as I saw like everyone there just like supporting me and was there to see Alberta do the best they can, I knew I was good. I've asked this of a few other athletes through the course of the last couple of weeks here is when you go into a games like this, some, some will say, Hey, I've got my eyes on the podium and a gold medal or bust kind of thing. And then you have those who say, uh, you know what? I was just going in for personal bests and I'm just going in for, for that aspect of it. I'm curious from your standpoint, going into the Canada games, where was your head at? Where did you think you would end up? And was the gold really the goal at the end of the day? Or is that just the cherry on top? Um, Going into the games, I was definitely, uh, I had high hopes and uh, my expectation was the gold, but I wasn't going to be disappointed if I didn't get it. I knew that I would have done my best that day, but that was just amazing that I had got to achieve my goal. Mm-hmm. From here, where do you go in your mind? Where do you, uh, where do you see yourself in the next year or even five years? What's the, the, the dream? Oh, uh, and this next year? Hopefully I can make it uh, to the world championships and who knows, maybe in the next five years, maybe I get to go to the Olympics. Uh, We'll we'll see, I guess. Mm. I'm curious, how does one get involved in trampoline? How did that all come about? Um, Well, for me, my whole family is actually involved in it and we own a gym here in Red Deer. And so uh, my parents are my coaches. Okay. So I was kind of born into it. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about that that upbringing because it's not. I'm not saying it's not a normal sport, but at the same time, <laughs> it's not something that you know you would think when you think Alberta, you think hockey, you think football, and here you are uh, performing at the the best level imaginable in in trampoline. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a different upbringing, uh, <laughs> like you said. Um, always spending that time in the gym and. Uh, getting to just play around and now I'm like, it is resulting in something. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. That is fantastic. Well, congratulations again, a uh, job well done and all the best. And I know you've got one, uh, one routine to come today and you got another one later on in the week as well. So I do appreciate yeah. it and best of luck. And uh, hopefully you'll have a couple more medals around your neck before too long. Thank you so much. Kalina Sowen is a trampoline gymnast who won gold at the Canada games in Red Deer. Just want to take a moment to thank you for taking the time to download and listen to the Calgary Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll chat with you soon.